0: Good morning. Thanks, Gene. That was really special. It's really great to be able to um, hear from one another. Um, I noticed a very big difference though between that view and the fact that we have a snow day today. So um, I think we have most people today joining us online. And um, that's, that's pretty wise on a snow day like this. And uh, so anyway, it's it's still a blessing to gather. It's a blessing to be able to be together and Um, just have the Lord meet with us and us meet with each other. And um, Sarah last week kicked off a new series called Anchors for the Soul. And she spoke about surrender. And uh, today I want to continue, and we're going to be speaking on these different anchors over the coming weeks. And the anchor that I would like to speak about today is an anchor uh, regarding confession. Uh, It being something in our lives that... Uh, I believe as, as we talk about confession today, I pray that this will be one of those anchors that you take home. This will be an anchor, a tool, not something that you learn about intellectually, but something that we actually um, have in practice, that it's something that the Lord has given to us. It's something that that is part of uh, our lives as followers of Jesus, this idea of confession, this idea of confessing. And I want to talk about a few different aspects of that today. Um, but I want, I want to think about confession in the sense of how powerful it is. When I confess something, when I say something, it makes it real. I found some of the hardest phone calls I've ever made have been to tell somebody or talk to somebody about someone who's passed away. I feel like that phone call, that first phone call, that first conversation is, is the worst. It's the hardest. Because all of a sudden you find yourself saying with your mouth something that you know has occurred, something that's real. But it's when you say it that all of a sudden it takes on a deeper meaning. It takes on greater power. It takes on greater reality. There's also so much power in, in healing. When we speak things and we confess things and we say things, there's healing that comes When we say things and share things, there's a deepening of a relationship that comes. Confession and speaking is a critical part of our lives and a critical part of our um, journey. And so I want us to explore today three different aspects of confession. And hopefully they will be things that we can take away and we can put into practice. And they'll be things that we can be that will help anchor us in this time. So to start, I wanted to give a few definitions of what the word confess means. Because confession is a noun, but confess is a verb. It's something that we do. And when you see uh, in scripture and you you see references to confess, most of the time what you're seeing is the action, the verb, the confessing. So I wanted to give you a couple definitions. One is a dictionary definition. Merriam-Webster's dictionary uh, describes confession as this. To tell or make known something, uh, such as something wrong or damaging to oneself. So confessing to doing wrong or guilt. To acknowledge sin to God or to a priest. To receive the confession of the penitent. To declare faith or an adherence to, to profess. So I profess my love to you. I confess my love to you. Um, to give evidence of. And, and the dictionary uses an example of uh, Sir Walter Scott saying, breeze, bird, and flower, confess the hour, uh, to give evidence of. So those are some definitions, some working definitions that we have of confess. And in fact, um, th- I think the dictionary focuses more on guilt and um, repentance and admission than necessarily um, the biblical definition of the word. So if we go to the next definition from Strong's Concordance, uh, this Greek word, uh, I won't try to pronounce for you because I'm not, don't speak Greek. Um, but a lot of what that word means in confessing means to speak the same or to agree with. So it has less to do, uh, and then there's other usages. Uh, and uh, so there's a usage around, I promise, or I agree, I confess. Uh, more similar to, to what we've just read in the dictionary, publicly declare. So this idea uh, in, in the biblical definition of confess is a little bit broader. And I, wanna, I want us to think about confession today. And we're going to explore three areas of confession. But this idea of coming into agreement with God, coming into agreement. And our confession is, is this process of agreement, so I want to look at, at three types of confession today. And there's probably more. There's probably less. You could probably Google and find different uh, uh, ways in which people uh, look at confession. But I want to look, one, at confession of our faith. So one aspect of confession is a confessing, a professing, a declaration, an acknowledgement of our faith. The second is uh, this confession and declaration and acknowledgement of our identity. And the third is confession as it relates to sin in our lives. So I want to look at those three aspects, and uh, we'll go quickly uh, through each one of these. So the first one I want to talk about is the confession of our faith. And I was thinking about a story uh, to give you a little bit of an analogy uh, of confession, how, how I've seen it happen in my life. Um, Sarah and I were dating early on in our dating life. And, um, you know, when you're first dating, there's this awkwardness of like, okay, we're hanging out. Uh, is she hanging out with other guys? Is she only hanging out with me? Am I hanging out with other girls? Am I only hanging out with her? What's our definition? And um, we were driving in the car and Sarah goes, so I was talking to my parents the other day and they said, so what's up with this Aaron guy? And um, she said, well, I think he's my boyfriend. And so we're driving in the car and she goes, was that okay to say? And it was a great question, right? It's this awkward define the relationship moment where she's confessing to me that she's like, I kind of said you were my boyfriend. Did I get it right? Or what do you think? Or how, how would you confess our relationship right now? And I said, fortunately at the time, I didn't torture her. I said, yeah, that's a great answer. I agree. Uh, I, in hindsight, I, I wish I would have tortured her a little bit, um, but I didn't. But at that moment, this confessing, all of a sudden you're speaking something and you're like, oh my gosh, this is real now. Like we went from having no definition to having just enjoying being together and going out and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this relationship's gotten a little bit deeper. We're, we're confessing something in our relationship. And you guys know that in, in different relationships, there's those times in which we, our confession goes deeper. Our confession goes further. And so I want to explore just a little bit of that as it relates to uh, the use of the word confession in the New Testament. In Romans 8, um, Paul writes this. He says, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with, your heart, for with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. I love this act of confession, this act of declaring with our mouths, this act of us in our faith holding on to Jesus as Lord. We're coming into agreement with, we're confessing Jesus is Lord. And I love that the scriptures say, whoever believes in Jesus will not be disappointed. Man, we need a reminder of that anchor in this time, don't we? I can't think of how much disappointment we've experienced as a culture and as a people and as as a globe. There's been so much disappointment, so much disruption. It doesn't mean that Jesus is this great, solves all the problems and makes all those things go away, but he is our anchor. He is our anchor for which we will not be disappointed he goes on to say this in verse 12 for there's no distinction between jew and greek for the same lord is lord of all lord of all abounding in riches for all who call on him for whoever will call on the name of the lord will be saved every single one whoever calls on the name of the lord will be saved that's one of our anchors One of our anchors as followers of Jesus is those who call on the name of the Lord for our salvation. There's examples of this in the New Testament. In 1 Timothy 6.12, it talks about Paul's encouraging Timothy, and he says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Timothy made a good confession in his community. He's fighting this fight. Of faith In Hebrews, there's multiple times where we're encouraged to hold fast to our confession. Hold fast to our confession. So in Hebrews 4.14, it says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest, Jesus, who's passed through the heavens, let us hold fast our confession. Our confessions of faith are something that we're to hold fast to to cling to. Again, in Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. An anchor for us, an anchor for us is holding fast the confession of our hope. Our hope for he who promised is faithful. Jesus is faithful. He is our anchor We need to hold fast to that confession of our faith, that confession of our faith in Christ. While everything else, there can be lots of disappointment and disruption, lots of other anchors that fall away, lots of other things that we might have been tethered to that no longer hold our weight. Have You ever tried to climb out of a, a river and you grab onto a root and every time you try to come out, you pull the root out of the ground? It feels like lots of of roots are being pulled out of our lives that aren't lasting anchors. So one of our types of confession is holding fast to that confession of faith, faith being an anchor for us. The second one I want to look at, and it's a little bit different, but it's this confession of our identity, this confession and reminding and holding fast in confessing who we are. And I want to just go through a couple of scriptures and remind us of who we are and some examples of who we're not as well. So in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this, if any, Therefore, if anyone is, is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All of this from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. So here we have Paul declaring this identity and confessing that our identity is new, that we're people who our sins are not counted against us. We're people who've been given this ministry of reconciliation. And he goes on in verse 20 and he says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Again, this identity, a new creation, those whose sins have been forgiven, being part of this identity and confessing our identity is that we're Christ's ambassadors. He goes on to say, we implore you in Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so in him we might become the righteousness of God. Man, we are the righteousness of God. We are new creations. We are ambassadors. In 1 John 4, 15, it says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, which we just talked about, this confession that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We are people in which God abides in. This is our identity. We need to confess that identity God, you abide in me and I abide in you. This is where my identity comes from and declaring that and having that security in our identity in Christ. In Philippians 3, Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven as we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our identity. Our identity is citizens of heaven. I love this in Hebrews 11, another confession Word here in Hebrews 11, verse 13 and 14. It says this it's talking about all these people of faith, all these people died without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. There's a confession by people of faith that this earth is not our home. We're strangers and we're exiles, we're of a different kingdom. And I, and I find it amazing in all of Jesus' teaching, he kept challenging the disciples, yeah, that's, that's, not, of my king, that's not kingdom thinking. I, that's not kingdom thinking. He kept adjusting the disciples and how they thought about kingdom thinking. I think in this time, an anchor that we need is our identity in heaven, our identity as strangers and exiles, our identity as as. These ambassadors of God, and I think sometimes we we want more to be uh, constituents of an earthly land than we want to be citizens of an of a, a, a kingdom of heaven. So there's a, a good story that Jesus tells where someone got identity wrong. And he's using this as an example. He tells the story of the prodigal son, a famous story that we all understand. This, this son wants all of this inheritance from, the father, from his father, and he gets this big inheritance and goes off and squanders it and ends up living in, in poverty and not even being able to eat and says to himself, man, at least in my father's house, the servants can eat. So I think I'm going to go back to my father and tell him I've screwed up Um, but I'm not worthy to be his son. So this is where we pick up in Luke 15, verse 20. It says, so the prodigal son got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. All that's accurate. And then he goes on and says something highly inaccurate. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That's the inaccurate part of it. And I think when we think about our identity and we think about things that could disrupt or disqualify our identity or change our identity or make the father not love us, or we've gone off and done all these terrible things, sinned in the sight of the father and the sight of heaven and all these things. And he comes back and he's like, um, I'm anchoring to this idea that I can only be your servant. I'm, that's, that's my thinking. And I love this. It says right after, it's like the father ignores the statement completely. In verse 22, it says, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Something about finding and holding to and anchoring to this identity. And, and the father um, wants to say, Come home, prodigals. Come anchor um, your, your sonship, your, your daughtership. We are sons and daughters of the king. Don't take on this false identity. Don't anchor to this wrong identity. Don't confess, ah, because I've screwed up so much, I'm just now, I'm just a servant. I'm just second class. I'm, I, I'm not there. The father comes and declares and renews his sonship. So in this anchoring of confession, let's be confessing our true identities. Let's be, let's be focused on the kingdom of heaven identity. Let's be focused on the identity that God has for us. Let's be confessing that identity, and let's be walking out in that identity. And if we've got things where we're settling for less of an identity, I want the Lord to speak to you this morning about being a son and a daughter. Let's come into agreement with God. Let's confess our true identity. Let's walk in that true identity. The third area of confession I want to talk about is confession of sin. And we'll, we'll end with this third one. But it's often one that's focused on the most, right? We have this cultural paradigm of like, you go to the confessional or um, Christians are always obsessed with wanting to make sure we're addressing sin. And sin is is something we need to look at. But I want to say there's three different aspects of sin. There's a sin of transgressing where I cross a line. I cross a boundary. I steal something. I take something. There's a transgression aspect of sin. There's a second aspect of sin called missing the mark. Not, Not hitting the mark. That's a second definition of sin. A third is iniquity, this idea of, of corruption or something that's deeper, something that's, that's more institutionalized in our lives. And the Lord wants to cleanse us from all of these different things. The Lord has built in to our lives the ability for us to mature and to grow. And confession of sin is part of that. It's not meant to be this weird thing that we get worked up on and do like twice a year and go, oh man, it's been a while since I've done some confession. I need to like get a bunch of stuff off my chest. It's, it's this idea of constantly coming into agreement with God. And when my life, when I'm walking in sin in areas, there's lack of agreement. And the Lord wants us to be walking and maturing that in us. And there's so much provision that comes as we confess sin. There's forgiveness. There's healing. There's restoration of relationship. I remember I was doing um, an employee review, and this is a little bit different, but uh, in my previous job, I was reviewing an employee, and there had been some major problems with this employee and how he treated other employees. And we kind of were going through these things, and it was one of those moments where I, I was like, man, I've got to address this because it's cancerous on the team, and it's bad for him, and it's bad for this other person. So I just said, you know, I'm, I think this is a, a problem area right here. And I was shocked. He was like, took a second, he paused, and he's like, you're right, it is. And it was like something shifted in him. He acknowledged, he confessed that the way he had treated this other employee wasn't healthy, and it was affecting the rest of the team, and it was affecting the relationship. And it was amazing to see it was, it was in a normal course of an employee review, but it was amazing to see this transition and this health that came to him, this health that came to the other people, the health that came to the team when there was a confession. In Proverbs twenty eight thirteen, it says this, the person who conceals a transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. In Matthew 3, 6, There's lots of confession that happened in the New Testament. Um, They're talking about John the Baptist, and people were being baptized by him in the Jordan as they confessed their sins. Jesus tells a story in Luke 18, and he talks about two different people going up the temple to pray, one being a Pharisee or, or the most religious of people of the day, and one being a tax collector, the one that's most compromised, the one whose integrity is the least respected, the one who is, is seen as the, kind of the scoundrel, uh, must have loaned, owned like a lot of payday loan places, and um, scuzzy pawn shops uh, is maybe an example for today. And they go up to pray, and Jesus said, tells this story, Luke 18, verse 9, to some, and he was telling this story, Luke says this, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Richard Foster has written a book called The Celebration of Disciplines, and one of those disciplines that he identifies is confession. He says this about confession. Without the cross, the discipline of confession would be only psychologically therapeutic. But it is so much more. It involves an objective change in our relationship with God and a subjective change in us. It is a means of healing and transforming the inner spirit. John writes in 1 John 9 a a famous passage that we know about confession. He says this starting in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I love that walking in the light is not attributed to not having sin. Walking in the light is attributed to um, not claiming that we don't have sin. If we claim we don't have sin, we're walking in darkness. We're walking in self-deception. We're walking in rationalization. We're walking in these other areas of thinking about ourselves, but walking in the light as he is in the light. So it says in verse eight, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That Pharisee who was claiming how great he was, was self-deceived. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. We've been talking about confession as an anchor. Our lives need to be anchored in in confession. Our lives need to be anchored in this process of agreeing with God and coming into the light, bringing all of who we are into the light. I feel like what I do, though, is I rationalize my sin. I like to blame, I like to pick on the Pharisees and blame them as being self righteous. But I don't like to count myself as a sinner like the tax collector. I can dismiss the, my sin as, well, I'm just human. We make mistakes. I can justify that, well, well, good outweighs the bad. I can even be blinded by success. The ends justify the means. And the Lord wants us to come into the light and not be deceived. Richard Foster, I've got another quote of his, "'Confession is a difficult discipline for us "'because we all too often view the believing community "'as a fellowship of saints "'before we see it as a fellowship of sinners. "'We are sinners together. "'In acts of mutual confession, "'we release the power that heals. "'Our humanity is no longer denied, but transformed.'" I think sometimes church should be a little bit more like an AA meeting and less like a political rally, more reflective of us being transformed and our need for transformation and our need to come into the light than it is a collection of perfect people who have it together. Confession is meant to be a lifestyle of walking in the light. Confession is meant to be this honesty about our humanity, this honesty about our need And what I love is that coming into the light is even coming into the light when we don't have it resolved. In Mark 9, Jesus is talking with someone about healing. And Jesus says, everything is possible for one who believes, but the boy's father immediately exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I love that even coming into the light can be bringing our unbelief into the light, bringing our doubts, bringing our questions bringing our transparency. I encourage us that an anchor in this time is confession. An anchor in this time is is bringing ourselves into the light. And the second part of this anchor is is a passage in James 5, and it says this, verse 16, Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. I've been thinking about this passage a lot in the context of this time we're living in, this COVID-19 time, this time of isolation, this time in which we're spending a lot more time alone, a lot more time um, away from one another. We're not spending as much time together as a community. And I feel like this can be something that gets lost in our time. And I want to encourage us and challenge us. Uh, I don't think this... Scripture's calling us to, like, go confess to everybody. Like, you know, when service is over, call up a half a dozen people and tell them about your week. That'll really bless them. That'll be fun. Um, No, but I think it's this aspect of having vulnerability, this aspect of saying um, and coming to a brother or sister, coming to someone and saying, man, this has been a hard season. I feel broken in this area. I feel Sinful in this area. I don't know what to do with this. Having vulnerability. I think this is a critical time that we're in. Richard Foster says, God has given us our brothers and sisters to stand in Christ's stead and make God's presence and forgiveness real to us. Man, we are in need of healing. We are in need of relationship with one another. We're in need of this. And we can't easily get it the way that we've always gotten it being able to easily spend time with one another. So I want to encourage us in this time as an anchor to develop some muscles in this area. Uh, Are there people you can FaceTime with that you can call? You can go sit in their backyard or they can sit in your backyard. In some way of being able to uh, recognize our need for healing uh, is coming into the light with one another. So confession. Confession is an anchor for us. It's this coming into agreement with God. It's this confession of our faith in Christ, our identity in Christ, and this confession of of wanting to and needing to walk in the light. God has made us to walk in the light. He wants to cleanse us from all of our sin. I want to end, and I want to give you some homework for the week. Um, I'd ask you to do two things this week. One is read Psalm 32, and we're going to read it to close today. But Psalm 32 is this beautiful passage, and it starts about talking about three different types of sin, and it talks about confession, and it talks about the beauty that comes from confession. I'd ask you this week, as part of, uh, as part of establishing this anchor of confession in our lives, would you read Psalm 32? And then I'd ask you as well to be, Asking the Lord for those relationships in this time. Those relationships with one another. Those phone calls. Those meetings with one another. Those times of healing that we need. I think we become an aroma to the world in our humility. We come, become an aroma to the world in our brokenness that has been covered. Our, we, we become an aroma to the world as those that have been forgiven. So I want to read this in closing. In Psalm 32, it says this, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin or iniquity the Lord does not count against them and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Sarah prayed today about bones wasting away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as, it, as in the heat of summer. And this, this passage is only 11 verses. It has three laws, three times in which you're supposed to stop and pause and meditate and reflect. And I think Paul's encouraging people to say, man, this is what our lives are like. So in verse 5, it says this, Then I acknowledged my sin. Another, I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Sit and think about that, Selah. And then he goes on, Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. And the Lord says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. And then he he has this juxtaposition. He counsels us with his loving eye. And then he says in verse nine, do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. The Lord does not want us to be robotically controlled by a bit and a bridle. He wants to counsel us with his eyes. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. Amen. So as we close today, I just want to encourage us dwell, meditate on this passage this week, but incorporate in this time confession as an anchor, confession of your faith, confession of your identity, and confession of our sins. For out of that the Lord releases forgiveness and blessing and protection and provision and deliverance and instruction and counsel and loving kindness, joy and gladness, righteousness, justification, purification, exaltation, and healing. As we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. This act of confession is meant to break down the walls that we have with one another. It's meant to be an aroma to the world. Amen? Amen. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you meet with us. And we thank you so much, Lord, that you've provided everything that we need for life and godliness. You are the author and the perfecter of our faith. And Lord, we just say that confession is something that you've given us. You've given us that ability to come into agreement with you. You've given us that ability to walk into the light in full agreement with you. And Lord, in areas we confess even our unbelief, we bring those into the light. I ask, Lord, for each one of us, for our community, that we could be those that walk in confession, that could be those that walk in the light. Give us this week and in the coming weeks the ability to spend time with each other. Help us, Lord. We need We need one another. We need the healing that comes by being together. And I pray, Lord, that you would make provision for each and every one of us in your own way, in the way that you can do it for us in this time. Make provision for us to receive healing as we spend time and confess to each other. Thank you, Lord. Just bless our community, and we bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.